Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Consumed Sermon Series, which talks about loving God and loving others with everything that we have. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Rebecca, if everybody would grab their Bible and turn to, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 uh, is where we'll be tonight. Um, get this microphone situated. Uh, we have been in our Consume series looking at uh, our, our love for the Lord and uh, love for others. Uh, last week, uh, I was thankful for Brother Micah's message, uh, being able to look at God's, how, our love, how our love should look towards other believers. Uh, and Pastor asked me to, ask, uh, asked me to preach on our love for the, for the lost and uh, and just looking our, our love uh, towards others that are lost and don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and I'm excited about preaching about that subject tonight and it's it's something that we all need to hear about more and more and uh, in it's a topic that can never be uh, over preached or uh, outdone and so we need we need to hear more about that and I'm going to be preaching on tonight and I won't do it justice and we're going to hear continually as we go throughout the year and uh, and just about just looking at our need for looking uh, for, for for telling others about Jesus Christ and uh, and and how how our love uh, for others should should be should look towards them so if you John 3:16 is we were, where we are at tonight and one of my favorite verses and I'll talk more about it as we go through the message uh, John 3:16 if you would go ahead and stand with me tonight as we read this verse John 3 and verse number 16 and it says this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if we, we'll continue reading verse 17. It says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Let's go ahead and pray tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day, and thank You for being able to be in Your house uh, once again tonight. And I thank You for this morning uh, being in church, just hearing a message from Your Word, and even in the Sunday school hour being challenged. Uh, Lord, and I just thank you for uh, just allowing us to be able to hear your word being preached and boldly preached and just be challenged in, in our walk with you. And uh, Lord, uh, I thank you for how you spoke to my heart this morning. Uh, thank you for using the message to convict and to uh, draw us closer to you. And I pray, Lord, that tonight would be another message, Lord, that from your word uh, that is uh, convicts us about our, our need to tell others and to, uh, to show our love for others, the, the ones that you love. And I pray that that would take place tonight here in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Ryan, you're, we're ringing a little bit, so if you can just turn my gain down a little bit, that'd be helpful. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's some things here, uh, th- th- some things in this world uh, that should shock us. I, that's, I mean, that should amaze us so much that they're shocking. And uh, I just, as a kid, I, I would, uh, and even as a teenager, my family would take, uh, would take trips and we'd go around, around uh, the United States. And I'm thankful for some of the vacations we had. They were incredible. Uh, we'd go to some of uh, some, some uh, really neat places. We took trips to the Grand Canyon and not, it wasn't too, too far from where we live. So we went there and that, remember the first time I saw the Grand Canyon. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And if any of you have been, been there to the Grand Canyon, it's just you, you you look and just the massive, uh, the massive canyon that, that's down there. And my dad has hiked it, and, and I want to I want to hike it so bad. But uh, it, it is it 
is just one of those places that are so incredible to see and just uh, and just uh, just just know that God is the one that is responsible for what what just what what you're looking at. And then uh, we would go to uh, different different national parks. We went to Yosemite National Park, and if you, if you've been there, uh, it's just the, that place is massive and just the, it's so beautiful. And uh, we hiked Half Dome, and it's the, it's like the it's like the central. Central Mountain there with the with the massive granite uh, uh, dome and that, that we hiked up to that and just overlooking just the most incredible Yosemite Valley and uh, and it's just uh, really amazing and uh, and we saw many different things uh, on our vacations but something that really sticks out to me as as I was growing up that that just shocked me uh, in regards to just uh, God's creation uh, we we were. Um, Every summer, our church uh, would take uh, our men and boys camp out, and uh, we, we would we would uh, take a camp out camp out every summer. My dad and I would go, and we'd, we'd bring along my friend Mark. And every summer, it, it was us three. We'd go up there, and hundreds of men would take would take this trip as well. And we'd meet up there. Uh, it, it's it's up close to the Kern River, and uh, north of uh, actually south of where uh, I used to I used to live in Lancaster, and about three hours south of, of there. And uh, it it was just. Uh, just a really, really neat place, and in the Sequoia National Forest, and uh, and it was just the coolest spot to have a men and boys camp out because it was you were you were in this you're in this area that's just uh, surrounded by these different uh, mountains and mountains, and you got a stream going right through the middle of the campground, and and a waterfall, and just a really neat place. Uh, and it, as it get dark, um, the men would just just make their way to this uh, this preaching area. And and where uh, where um, we'd, we'd get we'd get make their way to this preaching area, there hundreds of men sitting down with their camping chairs, and and there would be a, there would be a pulpit that was made out of out of a uh, out of a, a sequoia tree, and it, or uh, and it and it was like cut off, and it was just a really neat neat looking pulpit, and men men like uh, Wally Davis or or, or Tim Rule and uh, Paul Schwinkies, who some of you know, would get up and they'd preach the word of God, and just I mean they would preach the word of God, and it was powerful. I would. I still remember messages that I heard when I was 10 years old. Uh, and just, I mean, just the incredible messages from God's word and that their voice would be booming off the mountainside. And, uh, and it was just one of the most incredible memories. And, and I mean, there's nobody around other than us uh, and, and one lady that owned the property. And that's pretty much it and for miles and miles and miles. And it's just so awesome, just those memories that took place. But one of the things that sticks, uh, sticks out to my mind, in my mind, about one of the men and boys campouts was when I was... Uh, just after graduating our high school, uh, we took the trip up to men and boys, and and uh, after one of the night evening services, uh, me and me and a, a group of my friends, uh, we decided, hey, well, let's go hike this mountain, and uh, we, we decided we're gonna we're gonna hike a mountain at night, and it was the, it's called the Elephant Knob, and uh, there's it's just it's this it's this peak, not too too big, uh, it's it's about it, it would take about an hour to get to the peak, uh, and uh, and we decided we're going to hike up to the mountain, and and we're going to actually sleep at the top. We're going to sleep at the top, bring our sleeping bags along, and 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 flashlights and whatever we need to for the for the night. And we were going to hike up there, and uh, so we did, and uh, and uh, we, we hiked up there. We we eventually got to the top and had had a great time doing it, and. It was about time for us to lay down and, and go to sleep. So we, we got in our sleeping bags, laid down, shut off the flashlights. And I'm telling you, it was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And as I'm telling you, I cannot explain to you what I saw. I, you look up into the sky. I have never in my life seen a sky that way. 
I, I mean, it, it, I think I believe it's like 5,500 feet elevation, and I mean, just clear skies, no moon, and we, you could see up in the sky millions and millions of stars. I mean, I, I don't, I, it was just, you, it was the most incredible thing. As I'm telling you, telling you, I'm like, I'm not doing it justice. I guarantee you. Uh, it, it was just, it shocked me. And we just we started to talk about it. We just we, uh, the guys that were there. We're just like we just started to talk and, and 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 say this is incredible. I mean, I really I've never seen anything like this before in my entire life. And and uh, it just began to talk about this. God created this, and it, God is the creator of what we are seeing right now. And uh, and it, it it shocked me. Uh, the same sky that I had seen for I guess 18 years up to that point. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was there, you know, for 18 years of my life, and it, it probably never changed. I mean, but the conditions were just right, uh, and the, the, the location, and just, uh, we, we, we were there, we looked up, and, and we saw that sky. And, it, the, and so uh, that was what, what we saw, and it just really just shocked me. Uh, it, it reminds me, uh, like, as, as I'm explaining it to you, I, 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 like I said, I'm not doing it justice. It reminds me of this, this man, he was uh, a park ranger at, at Yosemite National Park, and he was in his 80s. He spent his, most of his life as a ranger there, and on, occasion, on this one occasion, this woman came to her, him, and uh, it, this woman looked like she had never in her life stepped outside of a city, okay? Uh, she, she just looked like that type of person. Uh, she saw him in uniform, and she, 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 she drove up real quick, and, and she asked, uh, Sir, if you only have about an hour to see Yosemite, what would you do? And the, the, the park ranger stopped for a second. He thought about it. Uh, he thought, thought about it for a moment. And, uh, and he replied, ma'am, honestly, if I only have an hour to see Yosemite, what I'd do is I'd go sit on that rock over there and I'd cry. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's what I would do. And, and uh, after 80 years or spending his lifetime really there, he was still in all of that spectacular place. I mean, he, he, was, he, just, he couldn't get enough of it. And I'm going to uh, preach to you from a verse tonight that we probably have heard many times. A verse that you probably learned, probably one of the very first verses you learned as a child. Uh, and maybe, maybe and something that you've uh, memorized. And they say this, that familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, or uh, they also say it can breed boredom. Uh, that, that means that when we come to a verse like John 3.16, which has also been called the most familiar verse in the Bible, we, we who have known this verse, uh, maybe since your childhood, are in danger of going, hmm, okay, uh-huh, that's nice. And don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Take a fresh glimpse of this verse. Allow it to shock you. It, allow God's word to remind you, to challenge you, maybe for some of you in this room, to, to introduce you to God's love. Uh, God's love for the world. And uh, so not only has this verse been called the most familiar verse in the Bible, it has also been called this, the greatest verse in the Bible. And for good reason, too. Um, why would you say that, Brother Robert? Why is this the greatest? Would you say this is the greatest verse in, or text in all the Bible? Well, let me give you a few things. And this is something that I didn't come up with myself and has been said many, 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 many times. Uh, it, uh, the, the greatest text in all the Bible, the greatest being in all the wor world, God, the greatest power in all the world, love, the greatest gift in all the world, Jesus, the greatest act in all the world, belief, 
The greatest tragedy in all the world perish. The greatest inheritance in all the world everlasting life. All of those are mentioned in this verse. And it, it goes through. We're going to go through this verse tonight. Just take it verse by verse, phrase by phrase. I mean, I mean word by word, phrase by phrase. And, and look at this verse and just, just get a fresh glimpse of it. And allow it to shock you. And, and allow it to just, to, just, just, to, just to, to sink in tonight as we go through this verse and, and remind you that God loves the world. God loves those, each of us in this room tonight. God loves each of, us that, each of those that are in this city tonight. And God loves the entire world, the lost. And let us be challenged to love who God loves. Okay, and so let's look at this tonight. Um, the greatest being in all the world. We're looking at the very beginning. John three sixteen. It says, uh, "For God, for God." And the two words, "For God." It starts with that. Uh, you know, as as we go through this. Uh, God is speaking of the Creator, and we all know this. We're here in church tonight. We know that uh, we know we know some of these verses, and we, we've we've heard the story, uh, and we've we've read, read the Word of God. And I'm thankful to to be able to to sit back there and listen how how you're raising your hand, saying I'm reading this from God's Word, and that's awesome. And so when it speaks of God for God, that's the Creator. It says in Genesis one one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's who this verse is talking about. God for God. Uh, I love that at, at the very first verse in the Bible, it doesn't start by explaining uh, how God exists or where, where God came from. No, it just starts with, with giving us, uh, uh, giving this. It, it, just, it, it, doesn't, it just, just states that he does. It just states, uh, in the beginning, God. <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Uh, when you look at a nice watch, you know this. There is obviously a watchmaker, a very skilled watchmaker. Uh, it, 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 I mean, there's somebody that, that took the time to build that. Uh, when, when you look at a painting, a, 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 a nice painting, uh, you know this, that there was a talented artist. It doesn't happen on its own. There's someone that created that. Uh, when, when, you, uh, when you look at a playground, that's all put together, not in the thousands of pieces that came from, the, from Lowe's. And, uh, and it, it is all level, and it's all nice and good for kids to play on in the backyard of a church parsonage. It, it, it's, when it's there, and it's all put together, you know this, that there were some people, some men and some ladies that came together and put it there and built it and worked and, and got it all up in there together. I don't know if you guys get what I'm saying, but there's going to be there's gonna be something back there. We're, we'll talk about it next week. But... Uh, the, the, you know, you know this, that it didn't happen on its own. Uh, it, it, it's, it's something that took some laborers, and, and they're, it's there for a reason. It just didn't appear one day, and uh, things, things just, there were some forces that acted upon it, and it just happened. No, it, there, was a, there was some creators there. There were some builders there, and uh, there, it, it's evidence of some handiwork. And when, uh, when you look at the handiwork or the creation, uh, of the world, the sun, the moon, billions of stars, the planets, the animals, the people. You know this. There is a powerful creator. 
<laughs> and evolution is, I, I don't get it. I really don't. And I, I, I really appreciated the, I really appreciated the, uh, the creation expo that we had a few weeks ago or a month ago, I guess now. And just being able to look at just some of, uh, just some of the awesome truths that are found in creation. And, uh, and it's just uh, th that we, when you look at the world that we live in and what we're surrounded by each and every day, you know this. God did that. There's a reason for what we're looking at right now. It's God. And so that's what this verse begins with, for God. All right, that's who we're talking about tonight. That's who we are, 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 getting, are, are focusing up our attention upon. It says this, for God, uh, and then it continues on. That greatest being in all the world not only created us, but this, he loves us. It says, for God so loved the world. We have spent a great amount of time or a good amount of time this, this year just focusing on being consumed with our love for God, love for others, looking at what that looks like. And as, a, as Christians, as a church, just uh, how should we, how, what should our love be? How should we display our love? And who, uh, who should be the recipients of our love? And what, uh, what type of love should we have towards those? And this, I appreciated this morning's message. What type of love should, not, should we not have? And, uh, and, and where should, uh, and, and that was just, I mean, there was just so much time that we spent looking at being consumed uh, with a loving God and loving others. Uh, and so we should be loving God and loving others. John 4, 19 gives us the reason why uh, that can and should takes place. Okay, this is the whole reason. Why, why we can love God, why we can love others the way we should be loving them. It says this, John, John, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. That's the reason. But before you start thinking all high of yourself, uh, before you start thinking, man, God loves me. I'm just so lovable. You know, and, and, and before that, that's, that's your viewpoint of yourself. Let's, let's think about some things that the Bible says, okay? Uh, Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It, again, in Romans 3, go back a little bit. Romans 3.10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. If that's not enough for you, Romans 3 doesn't stop there. I mean, you can read the whole chapter. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That's us. That's the world. That's every single one. And it doesn't stop there, but I'm going to. So also look what the Bible says about God. Let's get the contrast here. Isaiah 6, 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see the contrast there? Sinful world, holy God. It's not that we deserve it. Just God loves us. He loves us. We undeserved, you know? It's, it, it, God, uh, we, we, we can't comprehend it. We can't, we can't uh, grasp the, the, the reason why and, 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 how, how it, uh, and why it took place. Uh, but we, we are wicked sinners and there's a holy God, yet he still loves us. And, and look, look at what, uh, look with, with me at the recipients of the love of God. Uh, it, it continues on. For God so loved the world. It, when, 
I appreciated with Dan kind of breaking down the, the world this morning. And as, if you were there with us in church, uh, he, he broke down and he talked about uh, the different uh, t- t- uh, context of the, wor- the world or the, the, the times the world is used. And he talked about the, uh, the, the earth itself and like the, the, I mean, the rocks and the plants and, the, you know, the, the planet itself. And he talked about how there, it also can be referred to as the people. And that's what this is in reference to. And also is in reference to the power, is what he mentioned. And, uh, and, uh, but this is in reference to the people. And for God so loved the people, the world. And, uh, and not just a select few, uh, not just the Jew or the, even the elect, but uh, God loves the world. And uh, the reach of his love is all-inclusive. Includes everyone. As we heard this morning's lesson, if you were, if you were in, in, in uh, the Life Stage classes, uh, I actually was uh, getting ready to preach, and uh, I, I, had, I, I already knew what I was preaching. I had done, done quite a bit of studying up to this point, and I opened up the lesson uh, for uh, this morning's message in Life Stage class. We're all kind of doing the same thing in the same curriculum, and it was like almost like verse for verse, like point by point uh, for, for, for a little while of what I'm preaching tonight. And I can't apologize for that. And I, I'm not, I didn't change what I'm preaching. So you get to hear a little bit, uh, a little bit, just kind, kind of uh, in uh, echo of what we heard t- this morning in, uh, in, class, in class. And uh, the reach of his love, is, it's all inclusive. It, it, is, it is not a select few. That when, God, when God loves the world, it is not saying, okay, I love those who choose, choose to love me back. Uh, and it is, it is, it is uh, in this morning's lesson, we heard that he even loves those who he kn- knew from the foundation of the world, from before time began, he loves those who he knew would reject him. It's everyone. And, and so we, uh, the, the, with that in mind, I'm going to continue and I'll talk more about that in a second, but... Uh, so we found out that the greatest power in all the world. Also, I want to notice with, with, notice with me tonight the greatest gift in all the world. The greatest gift in all the world. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is that agape kind of love that Brother Dan explained this morning. And uh, that, that, that kind of love, it's displayed here. And because God had this, that kind of love for the world, there is a that that follows. If, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, it says, for God so loved the world that. <laughs> it, there's something that follows love. Uh, love has an action that follows. Uh, there, there's, if we're going to have a consuming love for God, for others, there will be a that in our life. Uh, and that's just a side note. That's not the direction I'm taking with this message. But uh, th- that there, there will be a that if, 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 uh, if that's the kind of love that we have. Uh, and the action that followed God's declaration of his love was a heavenly father giving his only begotten son. The, there was the, that was the that. And, um, you know, what took place because of that was, uh, was separation. And we, we know what take place, took place when Jesus came to this earth and he lived a perfectly sinless life. And he, uh, he laid his life down by uh, going, going to the cross and being beaten and, and being put up there and nailed to that cross and, and bleeding and suffering and dying for your sin and for mine. 
And because when he was on that cross, God turned his back on his son and he cried. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that would, the reason that took place was because of your sin and mine. Because of the shame of the sin of the entire world. That the, the, uh, God the Son, Jesus, he suffered and he died for our sin. Our sin debt was paid in full. Everything that needed to be paid for our sin was done and paid for on the cross. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. And that is the greatest gift that has ever been given. The greatest gift in all the world, Jesus. Romans 5.12 says, But God commendeth or showed or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the greatest gift in all the world, Jesus. It continues on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Stop there. The greatest act in all the world. Belief. Belief. Uh, and that, go back a second. It says that whosoever believeth in him. That word, whosoever it's a great word. It's an awesome word. It means this. Hey, anybody, any, anybody, any person, any, anybody. Last year, I remember this, at the fair booth, and uh, me and Micah were there. Me, me and Brother Micah, we were, where are you at? Back there, there you go. Uh, we, we were there at the fair booth, and we were just kind of, we were kind of uh, intersecting paths. I believe I was stocking a fridge or something, and he was there uh, talking to people, and uh, we, uh, I, I, was, I was in the background of things, and I remember a man coming up to him and talking to him. And I could still kind of hear the conversation going on. And, uh, and it was a really good, great conversation. They were talking about the Lord, and, and, and they were uh, just kind of, uh, he, was, he was kind of giving his testimony, I believe, and, and, uh, and as that took place, the man kind of came around to, uh, he, kind of, he, asked, he asked Micah a question. Uh, they were talking about salvation, and, uh, and, and he, they came around to the question, uh, he, he asked, the man did, he said, uh, on a scale of one to 10, uh, how Calvinistic would you say that you are? Do you remember that question, Micah? You remember that? It, at this, at, as he asked that question, I was thinking in my head the exact thing that he said. He said, and, and, and he, said, he said this. He said, zero. On a scale of one to ten, how Calvinistic would you say you are? And he said, zero. And I'm just like, yes! Okay. And, 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 uh, and what, I, what he meant, meant by that, uh, there's just so many things that we could get into, but meaning this, that God's love is this, all-inclusive. It's for everyone. It is not reserved for a specific few. It is not reserved for those that God knows in his, uh, we heard this uh, this morning in, in, in the class, for those that God predestinated to, to be saved, uh, for those that, according to God's foreknowledge, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to make, sense, make it make sense in my head, uh, that, that God, because of his foreknowledge, and he knows everything that's going to take place before the world began, that's his power. That, that, that's what we, God knows everything that from the beginning, from the end, God knows. That means this, that he knows who is going to accept him. He knew that you were going to trust him as, as personal savior. When you, he, knew, he, knew, he knew my testimony before it was my testimony. And he knew, he knows that. And 
A Calvinist would believe something like this, that, uh, that God only loves, his God's love is only reserved for those that will accept him. And is only reserved for those that are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And I believe I'm explaining that right. Uh, but this, I know this, what I believe is this, that God, if we look to God's word, if we look at verses like what I'm going to read to you right now, uh, that God's love is for the whole world. Two times in, the, in our verse, it is mentioned, for God so loved the world, that's everyone, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's anyone, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is the farthest thing from what, a Cal, what, what I believe a Calvinist would believe in. And, and uh, that's why he said zero. And uh, there's verses like this that say, uh, Revelation 22, it says, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That's anybody. Uh, and uh, there's, there's so many other verses that we could refer to and, and, and probably did this morning in your class, but God is love is not reserved for only a few. So that means this, that we need to be telling everyone. Yeah. That means that we shouldn't sit back in our seat and say, okay, whoever's gonna get saved is gonna get saved. It's, 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 you know, God has predestinated certain people to be saved and certain pe people not to be saved. So it's not up to me, it's up to God. And so go ahead and do your thing. That is, that is not what we believe. We believe God's love is for everyone, for the whole entire world. And, it, and anyone who will can choose to accept him. And God does this. We know this. I think, we, I, think I believe it was said that, that God does predestinate a life for, for those that do accept him to live a specific way. And God, God, God does uh, have a specific life for you, Leo, to live. And he, he uh, from, from before the world began, he, he has created you for a purpose and, and, and to, to live for him and to bring him glory. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's what this, the greatest act in all the world is referring to, our belief. When I was 14 years old, I was, I was uh, for, for, for months and months, I struggled with the fact that I didn't know I was saved. Like Dan, I, I, I had a head knowledge of God. I grew up in church, but it wasn't a heart knowledge. It, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I had, do not, did not believe in Jesus Christ in my heart, and I, it was something that I, had, uh, I, I needed to get, get right. I needed something that I needed to, uh, to, 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 to believe in my heart. And, and I, there was... Uh, when I was 14, I, I, I was sitting through service after service, and God, uh, God was convicting me. God was, just, uh, was uh, knocking on the door of my heart, you might say, and, and I, I refused and refused, and eventually there came a time, and I'm thankful that, that I was under some, some powerful preaching uh, by Sam Davison and preaching on hell in, the, in, the, in the, what is reserved for those that do not accept Jesus Christ. And, 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 those, and that, 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 that message really just was the, the turning point in my life where I, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to get saved. Uh, it needs to happen. I, I need to trust Jesus Christ and not trust in some, some memory or some, uh, something that took place. And just, I need to trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. I didn't go to confessional. I didn't partake in sacraments. I didn't do a bunch of good things by helping an old lady cross the street. I didn't do uh, my good. My good didn't out, finally outweigh my bad. I, I, I didn't uh, just get baptized. I, 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 I believed is what took place. I believed that when I was 14 years old. In Romans 10, 9, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
That's what took place for me when I was 14 years old. And, and so with that in mind, let's continue on. It says, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Should not perish. The greatest tragedy in all the world. Perish. The text doesn't say God so loved the world that he overlooked our sin. Rather, it says God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for our sin. What it means. But, but his love does not take away the reality of hell. If Jesus' words are true, and they are, hell is real, and it's awful. In Mark 9, Jesus uses this phrase three times when describing hell. He says, Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Three times. He, he uses that in, in, in description of, of this place where, where people go and, and where, where, the, where it is the punishment for sin and, and the, the destination for all those that don't know Christ. And I thought about this phrase and the implications of it. Uh, I read commentaries just kind of like, okay, wh why, why is it mentioned uh, these things that it mentions? And why, why is it mentioning a worm? And, uh, and I, I was just curious at, at that. And it, it, the different, different commentaries, they talked about um, some different things about how worms and, uh, and really or maggots uh, would cover uh, rotting and decaying bodies. And really just kind of uh, things that aren't, aren't uh, um, pretty to think about or, or enjoyable to think about. Uh, and I, I didn't quite... It, 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 it didn't. Uh, it just mentioned, mentioned the fact that those uh, that that is in reference to uh, rot and decay and things like that. But I do know this: uh, Jesus is describing describing a real place that people will spend eternity separated from God. It says, "For where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched." Think about this for a second. I, I know this: that, that if you were to start a fire here. And if you were, and, uh, you were to take a worm, all right? This is just being uh, as, as simple as I can get it. It, it, it. If you were to take a worm and, and you were to start a fire and you were to put the worm in the fire, the worm would die a pretty bad death and it would die. It would kind of, it would suffer and it would, I don't know if a worm can feel, I don't, I don't know, it, it, would, uh, it, it, would, it, would, it would die, okay? Uh, let me ask you this. Does the worm care at all about the longevity of the flame, if it's dead. Not at all. It died. But let me let, read, what the, read what Jesus said, this. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If you did the same thing, but the worm didn't die, it just suffered. Does the worm care about the longevity of the flame? Yes. And hell is not, it's, I don't think the, fo the focus is on the worm tonight. I mean, I mean I, 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 when Jesus is mentioning this, I don't think it's, it's the, the, fo the focus is on this, that it's an eternal place of torment, separation from God. And it's a literal place. It's an actual place where souls go for eternity, a place of torment. And with that in mind, this verse, it says this, it's for, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's a place that we don't have to spend eternity. There are people and many people that do spend eternity there and are spending eternity there, but we can do something about that. Then we can tell people about that. It's not something that we like to think about or talk about. It's not something I enjoy, enjoy telling you about tonight. It's not something that is, 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 a, is a great topic to, to, to speak on. It's just reality. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. In Luke 16, Jesus gives a story of the rich man and Lazarus. If, if we were to continue on tonight, Lazarus eventually goes to heaven and to Abraham's bosom and, and the, the rich man, he dies. And it says this about him. It says, The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Jesus gives this, and this is a story, uh, and I believe it's a true story of what took place to a man that is, is now spending eternity separated from God in torments. And, and that, that, that is uh, something a, a, a truth that we need to remember when we read through this verse. I said it's going to be shocking tonight, and that's the truth. And there is this, this verse, John 3:16, it is shocking uh, because of this truth. In, in Revelation 20:13, it says, "In the sea gave up the dead, which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were uh, in them, and they were uh, judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. As John 3:18 states, uh, those who believe not in the Son of God are under condemnation. John 3.36 says, The wrath of God abideth on him. Those who don't, do not believe in Jesus, they'll perish. The greatest tragedy in all the world. The cross, it draws a very distinct line. Those that believe spend eternity with Christ, with God in heaven. Those that don't spend eternity separated from God in hell. With it, continuing on, we find that it says that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest, the greatest inheritance in all the world, everlasting life. Everlasting life does not mean just life without end. Uh, although that is part of it. It refers to entering into a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John 17, 3, it says this, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Eternal, eternal life with God in heaven will be a perfect life. It will be a wonderful life. It will be the complete opposite of what I just read about in talking about hell. It is the, the greatest opposite of there is no in between. Uh, but eternal life is the inheritance of those that trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It begins at the moment that you believe in Jesus, but it is infinitely better when you get to be with him. Craig McLean, he trusted Christ as his personal savior years ago. 
Since then, he has been able to enjoy a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I mean, but he still had to battle the flesh, just like, like well, all of us here. He still, uh, he, he, he still uh, had to live in this world, and, uh, with this sin-cursed world, and, uh, like we heard about this morning. And this, this past week, he stepped into eternity. And things have gotten infinitely better for Craig McLean. Because he's in the presence of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe the greatest verse in the Bible. It, it is something that cannot be overstated. It is something that could not be outdone. It is something that needs to be, we need to be reminded about. Something that should shock us into doing something about. Uh, God desires that our love should reflect his love. Uh, that, that it should impact, that God has a love for the lost. And it, it says in the very beginning, for God so loved the world. So how is your love for the world? How is your love for those that you're surrounded by each and every day? This should impact how we, how we, how we live here in Moses Lake. This should impact with our relationship with our friends, coworkers, family, friends, uh, family, neighbors, everyone that we see. It, this should be something. And I, if you think I, I have this all down, if you think I, if Brother Robert has, has, has got this nailed down and he's he, and, and, and he, like, like uh, uh, and there, he doesn't need to improve on this area at all, you got it wrong. No, I'm preaching to myself as well. And, and uh, this is something that we need to hear and, and we need to be sharing. Uh, when you look at New Testament believers, some of the apostles and, and look at uh, Paul and, and just the people that God used in the, in the New Testament, there was an intense urgency to share the gospel. They were, there, there was an excitement. There was uh, some, some things that they, they were used of God in such an amazing way. And the Bible, I was just thinking about some of the words that, uh, that the Bible uses to describe a Christian's relationship to the lost. Uh, or so some words that, that we could, uh, that, that, that talk about our relation, relationship to the lost. Uh, one of those is this, ambassador. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not used uh, too many times, but it, it is uh, in Ephesians 6.20, it says, for, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And we are an ambassador in this world for Jesus Christ, for God. We are here to represent him to the lost, to the dying, this dying world that we live in. And we, we should, with that in mind, we should, we should represent him well. We should be Christians that are, uh, are not ashamed of, of who we represent. We should be Christians that, that uh, because we are ambassadors, it should change how we interact with the people that we're in, being ambassadors to. Okay, there's, there's more, there's more that, I, that, that, we, that I've thought of. Uh, there, there's another one, witnesses. Uh, witnesses, and I love this one because uh, in, in, in Acts 1, 8 it says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and into, and into Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. earth. This means that you are just testifying of what has been done in your life. It's probably one, one of my favorites because of this. You're not spreading something that you don't know about. You're not, spread, you're, not, you're not sharing something that hasn't happened to you. You're just testifying of, hey, God did this in my life. 
God, God, God saved me when I was this age, and this is what takes place. This is what has taken place since then, and this is what I'm excited about, about the Christian life, and this is, this is what, how you can accept Jesus as well. It is, that's a witness. If, if, you witness. if you witness something amazing, all you do is you show your experience. You just tell them, you tell somebody the experience that you had. And that, that, is, that is what we are called to be. We're called to be witnesses to the, to the lost. And uh, another one uh, is a, a preacher, to, be, to preach to the lost. And this isn't reserved for those that get up here behind a pulpit. This isn't reserved for those that, uh, th that would pastor a church or be uh, a, a evangelists or missionaries. This, this is for everyone. This is called, it's just to proclaim the truth. To proclaim the truth. It is just an unashamed, unashamed proclamation or proclaiming of the truth of God's word. And just telling others what the word of God says, the truth of the word of God. And, and that's, that should be, that should how, what, it should be what we, we do and uh, what should happen between us and the lost. Uh, and another one is this, debtor. Uh, and debtor. And Paul, Paul uses this in Romans 1, uh, verse, I think, 14. He says, I am debtor both to the, 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 the Jews and the barbarians, uh, or the Greeks and the barbarians, I believe is how, how he words it. Uh, and uh, meaning this, uh, he says, to, also, I'm debtor to the wise and to the unwise. He, meaning this, that I have something that I need to take to them. Uh, or I have something that is for them. You know, Jesus saved you not just so that you can be saved and you alone. The inheritance that we have, the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, the eternal life, the greatest inheritance in all the world, it's not only for us. It's for them. Lost. Everywhere. I'm pointing the world. And they need it from, to hear it from us. And until we deliver that truth, we're debtor to them. We are in debt to them because we have something that they need. That really should be theirs because Christ already paid for it. Because Christ paid what the price that on the cross and it wasn't just for us. Like I heard, like I just preached on about it's for everyone. And so we're debtor to them. And another, another, relation, another word that describes our relationship is a, a sower. Uh, and Jesus used this when talking about uh, some of the in one of the parables that uh, we, some sow and some, uh, some reap. And, and meaning this, that, that we are just to continue to spread the truth of the gospel regardless of where it falls. Some people don't want to hear what we, the Bible has to say. But that doesn't mean we should stop sowing. Uh, you'll come in contact with some coworkers that really just plain say, I, don't talk to me about that. I, I know it's, it's important to you, but I don't care. And we've, if, you're, if, you're, if you've ever told anybody about Christ, it's probably a response that you've, similar response you've gotten. But it doesn't mean this, that you should stop. Because somebody needs to hear the word of God. Somebody needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. So we just continue sowing, just regardless of where it falls. The, the, the Jesus talks about some falls on stony ground, some falls on, on hard ground, some falls on, on, real, on, on good ground that will spring up and, 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 and pl pl the plants will grow. And, and, uh, and basically what, what, what he's getting across there. Uh, and there's, there's another one. And when, when Jesus was calling his, his disciples to, to follow him, he said, come and I'll make you, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
And really, that's what we're doing. We're going out into the sea of the world, and we are reaching or fishing for those that are in the sea of men. Uh, you know, I, I didn't explain that very well. I should have ended with my last one. Uh, no, no, really, it's a good one. And, 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 and Jesus was just, just getting his disciples to realize, hey, I need to be, I need to be out there. A, a, fisher, a fisherman's not going to catch any fish unless he goes out in the, on the lake, right, Tom? I mean, you're, you're not going to catch anything unless you're actually, you're actually out there casting your line or casting your net. Nothing's going to be home in the, in the freezer and ready to cook on, on Friday night if you're, if you're, uh, if you're not out there uh, fishing and, uh, and trying to, 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 to catch some fish. And so are you. When's the last time you've told somebody? When's the last time you've tried to be a fisher of men? And all of these, I, mean, I, I believe there's probably plenty more. And I, I just thought off the top of my head, and, and I, we, could, we could go word by word and look at, look at, look at how our relationship or our, uh, our should look like with the lost because of a consuming love for them. Because God loves the world and our love, we should love them as well. The greatest being in all the world, God, the greatest power in all the world, love, the greatest gift in all the world, Jesus, in the greatest act in all the world, belief, the greatest tragedy in all the world, perish, the greatest inheritance in all the world, everlasting life. What a great verse. May it consume us tonight. And may, may, the, may the love that we have for the lost consume our life and let us not stop telling others about it. And let's go ahead and pray and we'll be, we'll, we'll be done for tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truths of your word. God, I pray that the way you loved us and the way you loved the lost would be reflected in the way that we live and who we tell. And God, I pray that you would help us this week to find somebody that needs to hear about what you've done for us. That we take time out of our busy schedules and that we would get our focus off of the, the the temporal and, and the, this, the, the, the busyness of this world and, and everything that has to be done and God, that we would start thinking about why you came and that you desire for those, for the world to be saved. And God, I pray that you would help us to tell others about you and just to see people come to the saving knowledge of, of you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Moses Lake Baptist Church